Good morning. We are doing something a little bit different today. I'm very excited about it. We're going to be talking about uh, women's hockey today on Locked On Blue Jackets. Locked On Blue Jackets, your daily podcast on the Columbus Blue Jackets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked on Blue Jackets. We're part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I am, as always, your host, Jay Foster, here to bring you news, stories, excitement, rumors, hot takes, uh, all of the above, and then more about your favorite team and mine, the Columbus Blue Jackets. Before we get started, I want to thank everyone for making this your first listen of the day every day. Locked on Blue Jackets is free and available on all podcast platforms and uh, also over on YouTube. The YouTube just keeps on growing from strength to strength. So I am so, so thankful that you are all here and enjoying the uh, the content in this very exciting Blue Jackets off-season. But like I said at the top of the show, we're going to be doing something a little bit different today. Um, the women's hockey world is uh, going from strength to strength to strength. And so I thought I would bring on one of my very good friends to uh, come and talk a little bit about women's hockey, about uh, advanced stats, about uh, just kind of a little bit of everything, really. So uh, today we're going to be talking to uh, Mike Murphy. He writes for the Ice Garden. He runs their hockey counts and is a big player in the women's hockey sphere. So uh, that's what we're going to be doing today. So I'll just uh, get right into it. So I am super, super excited about today's episode. Uh, Mike is a really good friend of mine on Twitter. Uh, he has one of the best Twitter cats, I think. Uh, but he's also <laughs> a uh, very, very smart hockey person. So that's, we did not bring him on here to talk about his cat as much as I would love to spend, you know, 20 minutes looking at pictures of Franklin and uh, just enjoying that. Uh, I thought I would bring Mike on to talk a little bit about uh, women's hockey because the NHL is not the be all and end all of the hockey world and women's hockey is doing some really cool and exciting things at the moment so uh, i thought i would bring mike on to uh, have a little bit of a chat about that so uh, how's it going mike i'm excited to be on uh you know you and i have been buddies on on twitter for a while and it's always fun where it's like oh there's an opportunity to really have like face to face and really get to connect so i was like yeah yeah, it's uh, it's always fun to like have a Twitter friendship or a Twitter relationship, and then be like, "Hey, we can actually like connect for work, I guess, instead of just liking, like I said, pictures of pictures of your cat or talking about women's <laughs> hockey things like that." But uh, yeah, so I figured let's let's kind of start off with. I mean, Blue Jackets fans don't hold it against Mike. You are a Rangers fan, correct? So uh, don't yeah. you know? Don't don't uh, don't hold that against him. Um, but I wonder if you could tell us a little bit about kind of how you got into hockey and how you got into women's hockey specifically. So how I got into hockey was um, the way I always describe it to people. I'm from New Jersey, but I have four older brothers um, and one young brother. This is the important part of the story. Where um, when you're in a bit ridiculous irish family and all of your older brothers really think in order to prevent being bruised um you saying you all think is really cool so that's how i became 
a hockey and a Rangers fan specifically. Um, you know, I, I was always impassioned about writing. I was a big, uh, big creative writing person most of my life. Like I wrote short stories and poetry. Uh, so getting into hockey writing was like, I, why don't I merge these two things I love, writing and, and hockey. Um, and that kind of got me started with writing the Rangers at Blue Shirt Answer SB Nation. That was something that I really valued because I didn't know what I wanted to do with my professional career. Um, and writing about sports seemed like something that would be a dream to try to pursue that. Um, and in 2015, uh, the end came into existence. It's now called the PH. They had a team in Brooklyn, which to me was not where I live in New Jersey. And they said like, hey, local media press conference and I said oh let me go check what this is about because women's hockey but I only ever saw it during the Olympics and world championships so it was just like it was like one week one week every year I'd be like yeah this is awesome this is fun Princeton in New Jersey but no real significant women's hockey college presence outside of that and I started going to the games started writing about it and kind of just fell in love um there's things that I love about women's hockey that are really different than the women's game and um i recognized that like i could do so i just kind of put more more of my time and energy into that space and where we are now it takes up more of my time it does uh, i just one of those spaces where if you have the opportunity you can recognize you can tell stories that connect with people you can meet players who are like i just wanted to be better for the next generation and they drive to get to practice and you know they all have day jobs and you're like how can i not tell this person's story this is unbelievable so it's kind of how i got wrapped up into it is the people you meet and appreciate it's a game where it's like possession and skill before every shot attempt in women's hockey there's more passes than there are in men's hockey about puck control, it's about chemistry, it's about you can't rely on like just being an absolutely bruising defender. You can't lay in sound defense to take away angles and to uh, you know play like stick checking is so much more because you that I loved about men's hockey that I got a deeper love watching women's hockey. It's like it makes you appreciate men's game too because you. You see things that you want to see. It just kind of opened my eyes to what this sport that's taken over my life, just like more layers to it, kind of. Yeah, definitely. I uh, so I I all feel like I get that story a lot of like, well, I, I started watching men's hockey and then I started watching women's hockey and realized how good it was. Like I kind of did the opposite. I actually got into women's hockey first. So my first experience with like ice hockey was the Sochi Olympics in 2014 at yeah. the gold medal match there which is still the best game of hockey i've ever watched in my life like bar none and so <laughs> it, i feel like <laughs> so many people who are like oh women's hockey is is boring it's not as good as the men's game and i'm like okay well you're clearly not paying enough attention then because it's just it's it's a completely different sport i think um and man yeah. you said 2015 for the nwhl and i was like there's no way it's been obviously they're going into their seventh year now but i remember when the nwhl just dropped out of the blue yeah. one day they were like yeah here's, here's four new teams and i was like wow okay i guess there's uh 
I guess there's something to do here, and uh, yeah. here, here it is. Yeah, it's wild. I mean, I when I got into covering the NWHL, I was writing a bit about it at Blue Opportunity to write at a place called FanRag Sports, and um, I just started showing up. There wasn't a lot of media going to the game. I was like, how how are people not paying attention to this? This is history, right? And then I paid more attention to what was going on the CWHL. I was like, why didn't I know more? And it's because not enough people outside, like they had one team in the States and that was Boston. So if you were outside of that Boston market, you weren't really like, where did the Olympians play when they're not at the Olympics? Like, where, and if they're not in college, where are they? And they're in the CWHL for a time the NWHL and it's crazy to think it's 2015 was that you know it feels like this thing is still just getting started but there's like substantial history um and it's fun to see how much has changed since we first started and I know we're going to talk about it a little later but we news this off season about um about salaries you know we have players making eighty thousand dollars and the first year, the the big number was twelve for a player. We've more than doubled that now. You know, it's it's uh it's pretty special to see how it's grown, and even with league and another group and all those things and all the obstacles and systemic sex, sexism and all these things stand in the way. It's still found a way to grow, um, and that's really fun. Women's game just it just refuses to to go away. It's too too many people care even with all the obstacles in place in a minute i've got more of my conversation with mike about women's hockey but first i've got to tell you about built bar because they've got a brand new flavor and it's going to be my favorite i could already tell if you haven't tried built bar puffs yet you are depriving yourself of one of life's greatest joys and here's the new flavor get ready cookie dough chunk puff delicious cookie dough covered in chocolate marshmallowy delicious Good for you. I just, I can't say enough good things about this. Uh, I love the regular cookie dough chunk bar, but I love a built puff even more. They only have 160 calories and they have 15 grams of protein in them. All the joys of eating cookie dough uh, without having to make it. It's win, 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 win. So run to built.com right now to snag a box for you and the family. Uh, It's going to be the perfect treat or... You can just find a really good hiding place, hoard them for yourself. Or if, like me, you live alone, you can just, again, hoard them like some kind of Built Bar gremlin, just like me. So uh, what's great about Built Bars is that all of their bars are made with collagen protein, which your body absorbs more efficiently, provides tons of health benefits, so you can eat something that tastes good and is good for you. You're going to love the new cookie dough chunk puff. Whether you need a snack for your workout, a late night treat, or you just need to grab a quick bite, Built is the perfect protein bar and they taste even better than a candy bar. So ditch the calories, the fat, the sugar, and grab yourself a Built bar. Here's the best bit though. If you go to Built.com, you can use promo code LOCKED15 and get 15% off your order. Once again, there's promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at Built.com. Yeah, let's. Uh, I want to talk, let's talk about the uh, the salary project uh, uh, actually, because this is something that kind of you just you started. Just kind of, I remember seeing a couple of tweets about it one day, and I was like, "Oh, this is super cool." Um, so obviously, this is the first time really that there's been any kind of salary transparency in in women's hockey. I think so. Uh, if you could talk just kind of a little bit about you know 
why did you decide to start doing this? How, you know, obviously there's been a really big reaction. So just if you could talk, kind of talk a little bit about your, kind of your experience of kind of documenting this side of, of women's hockey history. Yeah, what we had, yeah, the first two seasons of the NWHL, though it was interesting because the league itself had, like it had its own version of a cap friendly. It was called the Cap Pro. And it was just on the league site. So I was like, that's very interesting that it wasn't a third party. It wasn't, um, you know, folks who were, who were sharing. When salaries were cut in the second season due to just not enough money being there and salaries were cut, by the way, without players there, um, mm-hmm. um, is those went away. It briefly came back where, I think it was 2019-20, where the league said, if players wish to disclose, I think we had five players disclose. And then it went away again. Um, but then, you know, when Jeff Merrick, um, a couple other sources said that, you know, like McKenna Grant Mantis, who's two years removed from being the MVP of the league, one of those players, like, how is this person? She's unbelievable. Um, making 80000 which is, you know, I've heard it may not be the most accurate figure, but ballpark. Um, but that was historic. Just hockey at the pro level, we've never seen a women's hockey player make that much before. Like an undeniable living wage, wherever you are, really, in North America. And that was uh, the moment where I said, wow, this space has really changed. And we heard from the PHF that, you know, millions and millions. And then we've heard from Haley Salvian, and we've heard from, from Merrick that, PA is investing millions and millions on their side too. They're getting investors. They're getting people who are in. And because of that, this offseason that we're in right now is historic. We've nice kind of numbers attached to pro women's contracts. And I've over the years I've gotten to know a lot of players. I've talked to them about like when they've negotiated contracts here and there. And the thing that's so few of them, the vast, vast majority don't have an agent because why would you have an agent give up a, a percentage of this deal where you barely make anything right right and you're making ten thousand so, dollars a year <laughs> yeah do you want ten thousand heck no right yeah um and why do we only have some of this information why is it reported like i said i'm gonna go to the players i'm gonna say hey i want to make this if we know everyone's salary, all these players who negotiate for themselves have a resource. They have knowledge. These GMs, they hold a couple more cards in what I consider to be a really uneven field. GMs held all the cards, and they always have... they can tell a women's hockey player on their team, "Hi, you have a girlfriend here. You have a boyfriend here. You have a job here. That's your day job. I know you're not going to go play for another team." especially if you're playing somewhere in Minnesota, right? So they hold all the cards. It's And when you're not making a living wage, they hold every card. Do you want to play here? If you want to play, you, that's the way this works. But now that the money is higher, there's the opportunity for to say, as a matter of fact, I can talk to the sub team. Maybe I can make a living wage point off for me. And that fascinated me, that we had a different market for free agents. And I just started to connect with players. I reached out to every team has two reps. And I said, like, what 
if you want to, there's no pressure. If you disclose your salary, I'll put it here. I'll make it public. I explained everything. And I built momentum with that. People were excited about it. Players were excited about it. And then a veteran of the league said, we have NDAs and confidentiality clauses. I'm not sure we can actually do this. And I said, crap, because <laughs> I had never seen a contract. And what happened was I made everything private. That was public. I made it so only players had access. And then to people in the PA and behind the scenes making a change happen. So now that if players want to in the PA, they can disclose their salaries. It's all done through the league now. Um, so there's no individual reporting. There's not going to be as many scoops as you saw before. Um, it's really wild because how did this start? I wanted to make a, a I made a public Google sheet and I knew a couple players and I just started making this thing to help people. And that's how that's yes. gives you an idea of the kind of impact you can make in this space if you work hard and you know, players were like, yeah, I'll tell you what I make. And the thing that always kills, I always get emotional when I talk about it, but when a player they it won't do them any good right now, but it will help their team, it will help their opponents. It will help the next players who sign, but they are to their deal, right? So they what everyone else has made. But by sharing, they help the next person. And right, because you can ready to do that. You can go and to the GM and like, be like, Hey, this person had the same amount of points as me last season. Why are they making yep. twenty thousand more than me, yep. for example? Yeah. Listen, she was an all star. I'm an all star. And you offered me thirty eight thousand. What's the deal? Right. Yeah. And so players told me like it helped because more often than not they'd go in negotiations being like, I'm scared to say um, because they don't want to say, I want 1000 and then their GM says, All right, that's unreasonable, and I know the yeah. only you can play for. Um, so it's been really rewarding. It's been really interesting. Um, I've had to read a lot more legal language than, than I know what to do with, because whenever I read legal things, my eyes go blurry. But uh, it's been a really rewarding experience to see how things have come around, and a lot of people credit me with it, but it's... It, and today, this was the players. Uh, this was the players and the PA. They wanted it to happen. They recognized how it could help them, and they made it happen. They made it and now the game, I think, not just in the PHF, but for everyone is better. It's going to help everyone. A player coming at a says, how much can I actually make playing in the PHF? They can see now, and they make a major life decision based on that. It's for me to keep playing. Should I play here? Should I play in Sweden? Now they have people deserve to have their information. Um, so glad we're at a stage now where we're some of it's out there. The way it works now is if they wanted to disclose, they can. Um, and that's pretty simple that we're at that stage. Yeah, for sure. I just I think a lot about whenever you know you hear about Michaela Grant is making eighty thousand dollars this season, and I think about like. I remember Nuraratu retiring at the yeah. at her peak because she couldn't afford to play, you know, and you hear stories about, you know, players living in their cars and players like working Monday to Friday, Friday night going to the airport or getting on a bus 
playing games all weekend, yeah. going back, going to work on Monday morning. And it just, you know, it's, it feels like we're very much at kind of the precipice of this huge, it feels like the, the, it's going to overflow. The dam's going to burst, you know, it feels like we're right on the edge yeah. of, of that. And it's super, super exciting. And I think you said it, you know, it helps other people as well. And you mentioned the, um, PH, I always get that long time to pronounce that without error. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because there's the PH, there's the the Players Association for the PHF, and then there's the PWHPA. There's a PA of the PHF. There's a lot of initials. PWHPA. Yeah. H's and NAs. Yeah. Too many. But you mentioned, you know, investors and stuff. And I thought a lot over the years about kind of the the rivalry, I guess, quote unquote, between the two leagues and how yeah. everyone's like, can't they all just get along and make one league? And I'm like, okay, but sometimes competition is good because if they look and they're like, hey, the PHF is getting all of this good publicity by putting more and more money in. Well, then we'll put more and more money into our league and, you know, we'll, we'll see who can build the tallest tower, I guess. And so yeah. I used to be, you know, a very much a... Yeah, I think they should just have one league, just unite and have all the women's hockey in one in one place. But now I'm like, no, this this might actually be a good thing, especially with the the uh, PWHPA starting their own like actual league instead of just yeah. doing like like I, I, I understand they did like touring teams. I guess they had like yeah, it's like a, they did areas. like a barnstorm. Coming up in a minute, I've got more of my conversation with Mike about uh, women's hockey, about advanced stats, and uh, how you kind of marry those two things together. That's what's coming up next on Locked Up Blue Jackets. Um, yeah. But I, I feel the same way in relation to saying that the most is neither the PWHPA or the PF of the, the PA or the PHFC. I just did it myself. Them are true unions. Neither group has a CBA, right? My hope is that these two entities compete, not necessarily for dollars, and that, that will happen. Um, and I, one supports both leagues, support these athletes. Is you know, I, I say it all the time please support both sides. Elite women's hockey, these athletes deserve it. But what I hope that we get out of this is. PHF gives these benefits, to, and then the PWHPA comes along and says, we'll give those benefits and a little more. And then the PHF will say, okay, we'll go even a little more. And then who wins in that scenario? The players win. But I hope everyone, we see. yeah. yeah. The, the players win, which means everyone wins. Um, and maybe when that happens, we get true union. We get CBAs. We get players with sit down with the league and say, this is how it works, and because we need to get there, we need to have like unions are a very important thing, especially you know, in North America and especially in the United mm -hmm. States. Like we need players to be able to cheat collectively. We're going to look out for what's most important. Like what's most important to these athletes: getting paid a fair wage, making sure that as high as it can be, health insurance, maternity leave. All these things are really important. And we have some of these things. That's great. But I want them to have every advantage they can. Because the women's game has a lot of catching up to do with the benefits of an NHL player 
are stark, right? So mm-hmm. uh, the good news is a lot of that in place. And I'm um, entities, them competing results in players getting more. Um, and honestly, I'm never going to sit here and complain that there's more women's hockey to watch and cover because <laughs> it's great. Right. The world, no as you know, is when the Olympics on. When, when does USA and Canada play? That's when I'm going to watch. And the thing I always you're watching one or three games a year. You don't know what you're missing. Um, mm-hmm. There's so much more to this. This the people is like 25 athletes on Team USA. 25 athletes. Do you think there's only 50 great players in the world? Like, come on. What are, what are we talking about? So, Yeah, it's... And I was one of those people that was like, man, this this is so cool. I can't, like, why can't I watch it anywhere else? And then a couple of years later, obviously, the... the um, like, I knew about the CWHL, but the marketing was just... And there was nowhere to watch it. Yeah. And then the NWHL yeah. dropped, and I was like, oh, I can watch on like the doorbell cam and it's bad but it is there you know and it, <laughs> yeah every year it gets better and better and better and so i'm really really excited for uh the future of women's hockey um and something else that you have that you're kind of a really big part of um i've been really lucky to make a lot of friends that are kind of in the women's hockey analytics circle um which must be an incredibly hard job to kind of get into because this the base stats i think are not at the same level as the nhl you know like you can't go onto a website and be like oh hey the average time on ice or whatever like i know i have covered yeah. leagues over here in the uk where the only things we get stats wise are goals assists points and penalty minutes we don't get time on ice we yeah. don't get line combinations, anything like that, you know, so it's impossible to really kind of track stats. But uh, I wonder if you could talk a little bit about kind of your uh, advanced stats work, kind of, again, how you got into that and uh, what kind of, like, what project you might have kind of on the horizon if you uh, if you can talk about that. Yeah, so it all really started because I was creating content, stories about um, the NWHL and the CWHL, and I was like, it's my work because I use stats when I covered the Rangers and the NHL and of fantasy hockey writing. And it, I was used to just being like, yeah, I'll just go to you know natural stick or I'll go to evolving hockey. I'll get the stats I need. And then uh, with women's hockey, the, we didn't have that. And I was like, I can't look up primary points. Like I can't look up primary. Assist. I can't find time at night. And so I said to myself, okay, I'll. there's only so many games every week. At the time, there was only four. And they played you know, four games a week uh, during the week. I just started counting. I went to the box scores and counted stats and started tracking stuff. I said, well, this, I might as well share it with media and fans. Uh, and I say this to everyone because it's true. The highest I got with math is math for the liberal arts at a community college i'm not good at math what i am good at is working pretty hard and so i just i worked hard um being in the women's hockey analysis you have to be macgyver you have to look at a bunch of junk and say make something useful for this um so it's a lot of duct tape it's a lot of elbow grease it's a lot of we don't have this but you know what we can make is this which is blatantly less good but the good news is every time someone does something, 
yeah, it does a job for now, right? Every, every, every time someone comes up with a tool or a metric or they release a project like we had at Wacky Hack and, you know, we've seen it, the big data cup and stuff, people do groundbreaking work in the women's hockey space. Um, Mikhail is so great at and I have it work with like NW Hockey E. How do we translate points and the impact of players across leagues? It's huge, right? So even though we have really limited data, do valuable things. Um, and that is that like, it's all just a frontier. Every little thing you do in this space makes friends. It helps us understand the game better. It helps us evaluate players. A lot of people, a lot of people are learning that they can make an impact with women's hockey data. Um, and that's really fun. Right now what I'm doing, honestly, I'm just going and like trying to finish projects from the forever ago um, and just getting stuff updated on their hockey counts. I got a little wrapped up with the whole salary transparency project. It took a lot more. Um, and then I was like, I might do work with this, like data-driven work with salaries. Like, And then I got to the point where I was like, more important to me here is like do i want to make a story out of this or do i want to give the game a little bit and i chose the latter and I, um but uh uh it's fun most of the time when i know boost people who are a lot smarter than me which is most people uh, people are seeing good work that's being done but the the real story of how i got involved with this game is i looked around i didn't see a lot of people doing it and i said well, I can do this stuff. This stuff is not hard. I just get who's an assist first. That's the primary assist. And then I make a note of did that happen in even strength? Did it happen on the power play? Did it happen shorthanded? And then after a while, you build base. And all of a sudden, you can identify this player is getting all these even strength. This player is getting all these primary assists at even strength. And players who make good plays at even strength. So even though you don't have that time on ice data, you can weave together right, and you start to be able to tell stories. And that to me is the most rewarding part of it is being like, we only have this much. What can we do with it? Do a lot. You just have to be creative. You just have to acknowledge its faults and flaws and limitations, right? You're able to say, yeah, it's a small sample size, or yeah, we don't have time on ice. Where, who, who's scoring power play goals on the buttes? Look at who has the primary assist. We can identify who's helping to make things happen. Um, it's not too tricky. It really just takes a little more time than it should because we don't have the great resource on the inside of the game. Right. I know just enough about advanced stats to make me dangerous. So, like, I whenever I follow along with advanced <laughs> stats or anything like that, like, I can kind of follow where it's going, but it is just kind of, it's so, so impressive to me that like you could kind of basically take all of these random numbers and be like, look, here's a, here's a story. Here's a narrative. Here's yeah. what we could do. And, you know, like I definitely think there is, there is work there that you could do, you know, advanced stats and marry it with the, the salary stuff. You know, the data is always going to be there. So it's not necessarily, I don't think choosing one or the other, it's just choosing yeah, one or the other right now, you know? Yeah. Choosing one or another right for, and also, you do run into this thing where I wondered about how much work I could do about, like, if you want 
to if you know a player's salary, you know another player's salary. You can do the math that we see all the time in the NHL. How much is a team paying for a goal? The problem I have with that, with applying that to women's hockey right now, is like, to me, it just feels kind of crappy when we do that for people who aren't making a living wage. I feel like we need to approach those conversations very mindfully. We're careful about like, so why is this player not? How can we, how can we compare player X who maybe only gets to practice with their team once a week because she's a full-time nurse and plays hockey when she can on the weekends versus a player who makes twice as much and hockey. It's not fair to compare them one-to-one, right? There's all, the There's all this story. So when we get, to, I say this a lot, when we get to the point where like everyone's making 50K a year and to do if they want to, although who the heck knows with well-living wage, with inflation and how the world's working. Um, mm-hmm. When we get to the point where everyone's comfortably making, the players who make the least make enough to comfortably, I feel like we can have those conversations without feeling conflicted. Um, and I look forward to that and not just for the data but also for the fact that when we get to that i feel like the ecosystem of the women's game will be strong and i'd say this all the time to people we don't know what the best women's hockey in the world because there's only a, a like two or three or four four dozen players who get to we don't know how good michaela grant mentis is if she's never been able to do it before this is the first year we get to see that. Right. And that's un- unbelievable when you're like, she's that good already. What do you mean she's going to get better? She will. Um, she'll get, that's the stage we're getting to is these players who are outside the national national team will get to that. And that's better for the, for the national team players. It's better for the PWHPF, women's hockey. And the thing I always tell people, when women's hockey succeeds, hockey succeeds. Right, it's it's better for the NHL. It's better for the average fan who doesn't watch women's hockey. Hockey as a sport gets better when women's hockey is stronger. Yeah, for sure. So, if people want to learn maybe a little bit more about women's hockey, a little bit more about kind of the work that you're doing with salaries or with advanced stats or anything, uh, where can people find you online, and uh, where can they find your work? Um, you can find. Hockey work at theicegarden.com. We're part of the SB Nation. I work with brilliant, generous, wonderful people there. Um, you can find the data I put on a website called Their Hockey Counts, um, which is just data I manually mine and, and lose a lot of sleep over creating, but I put it out there so people can use it. So, pretty please use it. Um, but yeah, that's that's where you can find my work. Take a, a moment to say there's a lot of really important people in this space, and they all deserve support. So if you find me, please find other people who are on my timeline, so content, it matters, especially in the space of Dells. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, like I said, I'm so lucky to know so many wonderful, wonderful like content creators for women's hockey and i have just been looking for an excuse to uh to talk about it on uh, on this podcast because i would like a phf team in columbus please i think that would be really <laughs> neat 
Yes, I think that would be brilliant too. Thank you so for your support. It means a lot. Yeah, thank you for uh, thank you for giving me the time to come and talk about uh, women's hockey. And that's kind of all I've got for you today. Uh, tomorrow is Saturday, so there will not be an episode. Uh, Monday, I will continue the season reviews. We're going to be talking about Jack Rosovic on Monday. Uh, as of next week, we are going to be officially dropping down to three episodes a week. So Monday, Friday, Wednesday, hopefully. Uh, not in that order because that's not how the days of the week go it's it's fine i'm I'm doing my best out here but uh we will be having less episodes uh more more infrequent episodes so uh that's that's what's gonna happen it's only for a couple of weeks or a couple of months maybe until the season starts back up so uh i will be enjoying the time uh a little bit of extra time off uh hopefully you will not be too hard up for content but i will still be here three times a week Maybe more if uh, exciting Blue Jackets news happens. Um, and I, again, like I said in a recent episode, I feel like Yamaka Kalainen is not quite done this off season. I feel like there is more chaos yet to come. So uh, keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for this on the Lockdown Blue Jackets on Monday. Thank you once again for making this your first listen of the day every day. Lockdown Blue Jackets, free and available on all podcast platforms, free and available on YouTube. You're never going to have to get behind a paywall for a locked on product. And that is, uh, that's our promise to you. So uh, check it out. I've been Jay Foster. You can find me on Twitter at underscore Jacob Foster, J-A-K-O-B-F-O-R-S-T-E-R. You can find this podcast at L-O underscore Blue Jackets on Twitter. Uh, you can find us wherever you get your podcasts. You can find us on YouTube. If you have comments, questions, criticisms, you can email me at lockedonbluejackets at gmail.com. And uh, until Monday, make sure you stay locked on. <laughs>